Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so glad that we get this hour together. If you were around last hour, we had a lot of fun with Guide Talk. Dr. Peter Capster and Pastor Justin Jepson were my guests. We had uh, a number of things we talked about. The last thing we we touched on was the Urim and the Thummim, and I think we're going to start by addressing that with the Blooms because it is Deep Thinker Thursday. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a short discussion. Just so you know, but uh, the what we're going to talk about with the Bloom City is desperation and how desperation teaches us to trust. I think that's going to be of great interest to all of us, including this particular host. We'll take a short break and be right back. We love hearing from Faith Radio listeners. It's easy to get in touch with us through the Faith Line. When you call 877-933-2484, listen to the greeting, and then press the number 1. Then leave a message for a show host or general manager, Neil Stavum. You can also ask a question about upcoming events, and the event coordinator will contact you. Or if you'd like information on a specific program, you can inquire about that as well, and the producer of that show or another staff person will get back to you. Another way to access program information is through MyFaithRadio.com. Look under the Programs tab for specific show information, including recent guests and topics. Again, the number for the Faith Line is 877-933-2484. That's 877-933-2484 or 877-93-FAITH. Give us a call anytime and leave a message to stay connected to Faith Radio. going well. Thanks for being with us today. John and Pam Bloomer in studio. We call this Deep Thinker Thursday, but before we get started on today's topic, I do want to go back to the last question that we addressed in Guy Talk, and that was the Urim and the Thummim. Were they, were they brothers, or exactly what is that? <laughs> um, well, it's the, the, Urim, the, the Urim and the Thummim. I can't even pronounce or, it. <laughs> or it might have been something closer to Urim and Thummim um, in Hebrew, although um, Hebrew scholars are probably wincing <laughs> um, at my pronunciation, but they were uh, they were some sort of device that that the priests had for discerning the word of the Lord or some decision of the Lord. We, but I have looked and cannot find anyone who knows what they were. They, they, were, they could have been lots, you know, like the lots are cast into the lap. Um, they could have been something that might have resembled dice, or they were something like that, but I don't think anybody knows what they were. Hmm. So <clears throat> it remains a mystery. It's a mystery to me, and if anybody out there knows, and you actually have... Um, documentation behind it. We would love to hear it. Yeah, no kidding. Let us know. <laughs> 877-933-2484. We'll even take it in this hour. It'd be fun to discuss. 
All right, our topic today is uh, what desperation teaches us, because we all go through it. We all have it as something that's going to be a part of our life. Safe to say? Yes, it, it is very safe to say. And um, what we're going to do is we'll look at the, the, the experience of, of desperation through the lens of Psalm 62. Um, we could have done a lot of different psalms or, or even a lot of different stories in the Bible. Um, there are there are ways in which God uses prof- deep, deep desperation in our life um, to forge faith. Um, and uh, one of the things, I, I wrote an article. This is really coming out of an article that I wrote um, that was posted on the DesiringGod.org website on February 7th. And I titled it, Waiting for God Alone, How Desperation Teaches Us to Trust. And, um, and so we're, I'm just going to use uh, that article I, where I, and, and the psalm, Psalm 62, to try to draw out from David's experience ways in which we can understand that God uses desperation to forge faith. But I will say that when we talk about desperation... We're talking about something very serious. Um, anybody, anybody who has been desperate knows knows it is a it is a profound experience. It is it is frightening. When we're desperate, we are we are f- often full of anxiety. We are full of dread. Moments when we feel desperate are moments that we want to escape. Um, so they're not usually things that we we long for. Um, they're usually things that we want to avoid at all costs. We don't want to feel desperate. Because desperate may, just highlights our vulnerability and highlights our weakness. And, and, um, and yet, I'm going to say something here which I'm going to immediately um, not so much qualify but, but, uh, but need some explaining I'm going to assert that to be brought to a place where God is our only real hope is a merciful experience. To be brought to a place where God becomes our only real hope ends up being a merciful experience. But I don't make that assertion lightly because what's going on to bring us to that point and I call it a desperate point is there's some some external terrible or difficult thing has occurred or there's some internal crisis going on and uh, and it forces us into a place where our other comforts and our and our other hopes are either removed or they just don't work. They just fail us. And so we feel, we feel desperate. And we plead with God, 
for escape. But those are precisely the seasons where faith is forged inside of us. And then in retrospect, and almost as always in retrospect, rarely in the middle of it, in retrospect, these experiences end up becoming among the sweetest in our lives because of what they produce, because we, we find that God really is our only rock and that our only real hope is from him. And at that moment, we recognize that those experiences were mercies. And we wanted to, we were talking on the way here that we want to say this with, with as much sensitivity as we can, because we know there's a broad audience with a variety of types of anxiety from something that to others might seem mild, but it's serious to them to something severe and extreme. You know, we just walked with friends through the, the tragic death of their, their child through suicide. So we are not, um, we're recognizing there's a variety of types of anxiety and not to take this lightly, like God's using this for your good is not said tritely, but God gives us advice. Like there's, we're talking about here how to maintain faith in that and to help one another acknowledge it. And yeah, the, the important thing really is to know that, that we, when we're talking about desperation, things that, things that bring us to the point of desperation, we aren't talking as if, you know, that, that every, everything that happens to us, every tragedy happens to us is some, is just merely some sort of spiritual growth tool that God uses. The death of our friend's daughter was not just for their spiritual growth. And we have other friends who are <clears throat> experiencing things that, that are unspeakable. And, um, and those things didn't occur just for their own forging of their faith. But nevertheless, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28, which is often used very tritely, but it's not a trite truth. And so though we aren't going to tie up all these terrible experiences with a nice little bow and say, see, your faith gets stronger, and you look back and it's merciful, what we will say is God will redeem things like that and we will see mercies in them, although we will also look and see real evil in them and real tragedy in them as well. As I think about desperation, I'm real interested to ask listeners if you would send me a text, if you're so inclined, and if you can be vulnerable, as to... The last time you felt desperate, and you can, of course, be anonymous. I'm not going to bring up your name on the air. But when you last felt desperate, and why? I might be interested to find out what's on the heart of believers when it comes to feeling desperate. Well, let me be the first. <clears throat> let, um, let me take a break first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll be back. John and Pam Bloom are here with me today. It's Deep Thinker Thursday. Always glad to uh, be in their presence. It's like doing church. We'll be right back. 
We're back with the Blooms, John and Pam Bloom, Deep Thinker Thursday. We're talking about desperation and how John said, and I'm not saying this is going to be lightly or comforting, but it's a time when it's a merciful experience because God really is your only hope. And sometimes you talk about Romans 8.28, and it's maybe easier to be on the giving end of that verse than the receiving end. It's almost always easier to be on the giving end of that, right. unless you're speaking out of your own current right. um, desperation. Mm-hmm. But um, since we've asked people to text in... And they're coming in like crazy. I'm going to... like, I don't want to sit behind this microphone as somebody who has all, all the answers or as somebody who has, has in any way arrived... Um, at a point where, like, there's no, like, I'm, like, I understand these these spiritual lessons, and I can teach them, and I don't have to necessarily experience them any, anymore. That's just not true. Um, I have been in, in for the last uh, few months in a deep place of spiritual wrestling over certain doubts and over certain fears. I've experienced significant anxiety and, and some sleep and numerous uh, battles with sleep. I've been um, uh, I've got some, some concerns over, uh, just in my life of it just that involve people that I love and, and, uh, and how that all works, um, in, with my own faith. And while I'm not being super specific here, I'm just going to say, um, and Pam can bear witness that, that these have been desperate moments. There have been plenty of desperate moments. Um, and I'm not immune to them. And a lot of the folks, I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of folks listening who know what it feels like to battle some profound doubts about God, about his nature, about his existence, about all sorts of things. And, uh, and it can cause uh, foundations to shake. And um, that's just one kind of desperation. That's one kind. We've already mentioned friends who who just buried a child, an adult child. Um, and we know we have other f- friends who are battling things that, that are dealing with things in their lives that, oh, we wish with all our hearts they wouldn't have to deal with because of, the, because of their uh, abuse in their past and things like that. And so, and so um, desperation is a real experience, and it's, it's a varied experience, and it causes great distress and it is not outside of God's care or his ability to use and as we're going to get to here pretty soon we're going to look at David's what David said in Psalm 62 let me jump in with a couple of things that listeners have said I'm feeling desperate right now desperate for a change in my job but in this season God has birthed forgiveness in my heart true forgiveness God's forgiveness this has been a grueling time, but rich in my faith. So if we had time to draw that person out, we'd hear what, what we're talking about, how a point, something, something they're referring to is significant, has caused significant internal distress, and they're talking about richness. Um, in the scriptures and all through Christian history, there, it, there is this paradoxical testimony that the most painful 
points in people's lives often become the places where they encounter the greatest mercies and understand grace and uh, find uh, comfort. And they become places where the, where the whole f- a person's faith is forged and their life, just even the directions of their lives change. And so um, the, the whole, the refrain of this whole hour that we want to spend together is there's hope. If you feel desperate, there's hope. If you feel desperate, you are in really good company because the Bible is full, full of desperate people. The testimonies of desperate people who experience terrible things. One of the reasons I think I can believe the Bible is because it's so honest about the suffering of humanity and the kinds of places that... that uh, people end up going to, and we'll we'll reference a couple other psalms besides just Psalm sixty-two, where people experience such profound darkness or disillusionment or doubt, and God gives us language so that number one we know we're not alone, and number two we know there's there's hope. So we, in conversation even this week, we've said. You know, we, we might pray for something, we might pray for intimacy, and look at, this is how God answers. Look what, this is what happens, this is my personal experience. It feels more like a wilderness. There is, like, the opposite of the answered prayer that you expected, which we've referred to before. And it can feel like this is a, a cruel answer or a punishment, and it's disorienting. Things that have felt familiar, where we put our confidence in, we had we're experiencing peace like that seems that's gone and it's it's disorienting and in hindsight and sometimes in the middle you could think i i think i needed this kind of disruption because it's exposing where we've put our trust and not in bad things but things that maybe we're alongside god and he is jealous to be first and say i am the one alone and it it's that alone feeling like what else do i have but you god that's part of the desperation is I, I can't count on that that paycheck or that person, that spouse that made that promise, but it's broken. Or I broke the promise and I, I, I've let myself down. Where, where can I put my hope? I th- never thought it would turn out like this. But our story is not done and we're, we're reflecting back on David's story and, and God's character. So in, in Psalm 62, um, it says... How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? And the, just the emphasis on how long, like he sounds worn out, impatient, and like at the end of his rope, how how long must this go on? Like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. And like his, his enemies are having fun with him. It's like, I, I am taunted. And how long is this going on? few more comments from listeners. I'm desperate for my marriage to get back to where it used to be because of our separation of immorality on my part and my anger of my past. Another one says, I've recently come out of a long season of anxiety in my life because of my sin. I repented of my sins, but the Lord was teaching me a lot through Psalm 62 that my faith needs to be a resting in Christ. I was fighting to believe, but couldn't always feel it. But even in trying to believe, I was striving in my own strength. I gave up striving and solely rested in Christ alone. I trust 
fa- fall back into the everlasting arms. Hmm. That's good. There, that person just um, articulated what I would say is, is faith in Christ. So faith is not our faith in our faith in Jesus. <laughs> I know there's a lot of faith that I just squeezed in there. Um, it's e- it easily becomes like we look at is my faith is my faith big enough? Do I have enough faith? Do I have enough faith? We're end up, so what we're looking at is, is our faith. And not Jesus. Faith is not our faith in our faith in Jesus. <laughs> our f- Bring that Je- sentence in for a fitting. I'll have it back for you at the next Wednesday. <laughs> Jesus must be the object. In other words, you, we look to Jesus, and he must be the object of our faith for us to rest. We can't be looking at the, the level of faith that we have in him right. for our comfort. Mm-hmm. When we do that, we're putting our faith in our faith in Jesus. Right. Like it needs to be good enough, and it's not a gift yeah. given and, to us. And, it, and we're looking in the wrong place. Right. And, then, and, it, and that will become a death spiral because it'll never be enough mm-hmm. as, we, as we analyze it. But can I just do something here? Let's, since, since that person mentioned Psalm 62, let's just... We need to read the, the relevant parts. Mm-hmm. So, so this is Psalm 62. David writes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you attack a man, all of you, to batter him like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone my soul wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. All right. John and Pam Bloom are in studio. We're talking about desperation, and there's been some amazing comments that have come in from listeners. If you're feeling desperate and you want to air it out, you can send me a text, 877-933-2484. Another listener said, I... I feel like I'm at the end of myself recently when finding out that my 11-year-old has anxiety and depression to the point where medicine is recommended. You can start to feel panicky and desperate. And If you want to let me know what it is, 877-933-2484. Of course, you can, can and will be anonymous. We'll be right back. today. It's Deep Thinker Thursday. We're opening up the subject of desperation and they're artfully navigating through being desperate and 
I've opened up the text line, and some listeners have really brought home some amazing things. So our hearts are full for you. And a listener says, I last time I felt desperate was eight years ago when my husband told me he wanted a divorce and did not want to pursue counseling. Hmm. Only by God's strength, there's a little bit more, but only by God's strength could I have gotten through this. I completely surrendered myself to God's keeping. Psalm 62 was committed to memory at that time. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. There's another one. I'm desperate for my husband of 17 years to accept Christ. He was abused as a child by a church contact and is so angry with God. I pray for him and our children. Oh. So that... The last example is one of those which we, like we put our hands over our mouths and do not speak tritely of other people's afflictions. Um, the fact that anybody's writing in right now, sharing their some of their deepest pain, um, it's a sacred trust. And, uh, and we do feel it. And the hope is that through Psalm 62, there might be, you might experience hope. Um, David begins by saying, for God alone, my soul waits in silence, which means there's a, in our, mo- in our moments of deepest desperation, there's a sense in which we are, which only God can really help us. It doesn't mean that we necessarily are alone, like abandoned, you know, that all our friends are gone or we don't have anybody else. Um, and, and God frequently will use trusted friends who are wise to be great sources of mercy. But there is a sense in which we walk alone with God through these moments. Be- nobody else can be a God replacement. <laughs> nobody else takes the place of God. God alone is the one who has what we need he's got the consolation it's his it's his promises not ever, not anybody else's promises as, as as well-intentioned as they might be only god has the word of eternal life has the, the kinds of promises that bring real consolation and real hope which is why david said i soul waits in silence for god only he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. And when he said that, he's preaching to his soul because he's feeling shaken. That's the thing. We don't read that and go, well, wow, I wish I would have been like David. <clears throat> We're not hearing him if we think that. He was, the reason he's writing this is because he's feeling um, what, what, whatever his situation was. It, it sounds like it was a, um, like many times in his life he was being pursued. Um, David was, frequently in the in the sights of other people's intentions to to assassinate him or at least to remove him from the throne or undermine his rule <clears throat> and so these moments of desperation for david were real and he, he was chased through the wilderness by saul he just he lived a lot of his life under the under the the shadow of the threat of death and uh, before he became king, after he became king, one, at one of the times it was his own son, Absalom. So he went through terrible 
things. We don't know exactly what, what prompted him to write this psalm. But this, what David's recognizing here is that God, that this situation was forcing David to make the Lord his one trust, his one rock, his one source of salvation. He was forcing David, using this situation to say, David, I am your one hope. Put your hope in me. And the next thing I just want you to notice, so there's waiting for God alone. And then he talks about, he describes what he feels like. He feels like a tottering fence. Mm. If you just think about that. So what David is saying is, I feel fragile. Like, a, like he's, t- and he's talk, talking to the, he's writing to his oppressors, you know, how long are you going to batter a man, all of you? Oh, like boy. a leaning wall, mm. like a tottering friend. So, so what, what we need to notice is, is this is a description of his psychological and emotional fragility. I feel like I've got a listener that fits that description right now. I almost want to just stop and pray for him. Yeah. Um, here's the note. I feel like desperation is my identity right now. My health is broken. I'm living in acute financial need, and I'm on the verge of homelessness. Oh, God. I feel desperately alone, as if even God has abandoned me. It's hard to trust when things keep going downhill and there seem to be no answers. Pam, would you pray for him mm-hmm. or her? I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Thank you for calling in and sharing that with us. It's, mm. it's like a sacred trust, all of mm. these texts that we're receiving. And uh, I'm just going to pray what I the texts that I have in front of me from Psalm 56 and Isaiah 35. And Lord, thank you that you you want us to know from the psalm, you say you have kept, you keep um, count of all our tossings. You know our anxious thoughts here. You, you put our tears in a bottle and you record them in a book. You are very aware and sensitive to our, our strongest needs and our broken heart and the, the physical needs and the spiritual needs that we have. That you you know us, and it says that God is for me. And Lord, would would you illustrate that for this person and and show that you are for them? Yes. Would you would you come in in supernatural ways now? Show your presence, your personal care, your tender love, and then and bring rescue. Bring just release your resources. Oh, please bring friends alongside those with with counsel with provision would you open doors and and pour out favor and those who are listening we just agree together you would bless this person and and turn their story around which just reading you you say to uh, sing a new song well would you put a song and a verse in this person's mouth that would become one of testimony of what you did in answer to this prayer where you, you for your namesake, answered and showed show what you are like. Would you strengthen their weak hands and make their feeble knees strong? And say to the anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come. Come and save. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Pam. 
there's a couple of, I mean, this this person's experience <clears throat> represents probably a lot of people's to, in 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 somewhere along the spectrum of, of desperation, feeling when things going from bad to worse. And, you know, <clears throat> that happened a, a lot in Scripture, in the, in the lives of saints, people. And um, immediately what I think about her is the unrelenting depression of the, of the author of Psalm 88. And the disillusionment that the, 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 the writer of Psalm 89 felt when it just looked like to that person, like, okay, here are all the promises that you made, God, and now it doesn't look like you're keeping them. And then there's the writer of Psalm 73, who, whose foot almost slipped because they looked at the, at the wicked and saw that they're prosperous while, while he's being stricken all day long. And, uh, and then there's Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 who, who lists off all the, the litany of dangers and deprivations that he experienced one after the other and living under, and living under constant anxiety. And, uh, and so um, I, just, I just echo Pam's prayers. Lord, provide. Provide for these precious ones. And um, bring the consolation that they need. What's his name? We don't know. Another listener wrote and said, I've been feeling truly desperate, uh, having been hurt by a family member, speaking cruelly about me to his family, uh, creating lots of rifts. I cried out to God in the middle of the night to give me peace, and he did. I can't change my relative's heart, but she can't steal my joy of the Lord. Yeah. They're so, crying out to the right person. Yeah, and and um that that person is doing what David's doing here in Psalm sixty two, running to God as the refuge when others are battering them like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence, and making them feel fragile and, uh, and desperate and vulnerable. And I think the encouragement in that is to stay in the word where he's, we're being coached to go to the fortress and go to the promises, even when they don't feel like they pertain to our real situation, but to exercise faith that they do apply when, when other things are clouding God's presence and he's not feeling near and there's a lot of temptations to panic and feel a lot of things and to play out what if situations farther than is even maybe realistic. Maybe that is likely to happen, but to, to reel in our thoughts, actually get out of our head and, and put the word in our head so that we're, um, we're thinking on what is is true and speaking that to one another to replace, I guess, tapes that we have of either predictions or self-condemnation, um, critique of others and, and recounting their sins. Like, there's just a lot of traps that we can go into, and the Word is there to 
show us those landmines like that that is a dangerous place to stay in unforgiveness in bitterness in in fear and and to look to the fortress in this is this in this article there is a long list but you're just mine scriptures of for promises I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. Okay. The, when you were, you were talking about the fortress, David says that, he says, you are, God is his salvation, his fortress. And, and the, what we need to say, ask ourselves is what, when do we need a fortress? What is a fortress for? A fortress is not for peacetime. It's not where you go on vacation. Um, it's not where you go for leisure and enjoyment. A fortress is where you go when you are in trouble, when you are in danger, when everything is on the line and you feel desperate. You go to, you run to a fortress for protection. You run, and in this case, um, the protection is the place that gives hope. Okay, so David is, where's David running to here? He's running to God as his fortress um, because he needs, he feels desperate, he feels vulnerable and weak. And he goes, and what specifically is his fortress? I mean, <laughs> David isn't running to his physical fortress here. He's, he's going to God, he's going to God's promises. That's what Pam was just saying. Because, because the promises of God are what give the soul hope in the midst of, of desperate times. It doesn't necessarily make everything all right. It doesn't even necessarily change external circumstances, um, certainly right away. But like the person that, that Bill just was speaking about, in the middle of the night, what did she do? She ran to God as her fortress or his fortress and and asked for peace. And what what specifically we could say what what promise? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's fortress language. Guard from the ravaging of anxiety. And isn't when you watch that happen, when you watch someone in a harsh situation trust God and receive peace and they they speak different and they have joy and they have patience that doesn't match their situation, that really is remarkable and gets attention. Like people are, are curious, like how did that happen? Why? What's different about your situation? Because that's not how I respond when things go bad. And it, you know, it's to be realistic. Like, yes, I, I am anxious. And then look in the middle of my trouble, how God is meeting me. I can't explain it, but I have peace, and my confidence in Him is coming back. And I'm, I'm not looking to my situation to make me happy and to be my stability. But it's God, and and then you can go a, 
like then that's that's exercising the faith and the victory and the the identity that we have in Christ. All right, we'll take a little break. We'll be back. John and Pam Bloom are my guests in studio. We're talking about desperation. We call this Deep Thinker Thursday. We'll be right back. Once again, we're doing church with the Blooms. It's always what happens when they come in. We opened up the subject of desperation, and I invited listeners to share when they have last felt it, and they came fast and furious. Another listener said, my wife died before her 40th birthday of cancer. I could think that God in his sovereignty caused all that to happen or that God in his sovereignty allowed those things to happen. But for me, the hope and the encouragement was that a God of love and comfort was there to help me through it, which is more the essence of Romans 8.28, that he works all things for good. Mm. Mm. My heart. Yeah, all of our hearts are just beating hard today. And I think returning, I'm I'm so glad that we're centering on Psalm 62 because there is such such real uh, anxiety. You can feel... (laughs) those emotions leap off the page and we can resonate with that in our own desperation, but there's also hope. Um, And I guess my question is how often do we have to remind ourselves to hope in times of desperation? How often do we have to make that choice and turn our hearts and our minds over to God and remind ourselves of those promises? I, I don't know if it's a one time decision. It, it certainly feels like I have to keep reminding myself to, to keep going back to God's promises. How often, how long does it take? How many times do we need to go back? Sometimes it's minute by minute. And sometimes it's hour by hour. And sometimes it's day by day. So you're, you, when you said like, when how often in the middle of times of desperation, um, that's one of the th- things I love about the Psalms. I mean, how many times did David cry out? He cries out over and over and over. And so do other psalmists. Um, they, they cry out over and over. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So that's a refrain in... In Psalm 42 and 43, which probably at one time was just one psalm. Somehow it got separated. But, but when you read it all together, you see it, at, some, at one point it was all one psalm. Um, why are you cast down, O oh, my soul? Uh, the psalmists had to frequently preach to themselves and tell them, hope in God. Why should I hope in God? Well, here's reasons from the past, or here's what God, and here's what God promised. Um, It, like, if your spouse dies, like the, like the person that just shared, their spouse died before age 40, um, how often did they feel grief? Continually for a while. 
How often did they need to cry out to God? All the time. And so, um, like you said, as, as long as it takes, when we feel desperate, when we feel desperate, we cry to God. And we go to him. We go to him as a, ref, as a fortress. And sometimes that means, um, yeah, that's, a, that's a metaphor. It, uh, you know, those, they, they always break down to some degree because like in a physical fortress, you go in there and you can stay in there as, you know, as long as the enemy is assaulting you. Um, the way it works in, in this sense is you got to keep going to the things that give you hope. You got to keep running to the place where hope is as long as it takes. And sometimes it takes a long time. And no, no person's experience of desperation is the same. There, there might be similarities, but, but there's all sorts of things. There's death, there's deprivations, there's, there's crises, um, there's you know, depression. There's all kinds of things that cause, that cause us to feel desperate. And, uh, and not only are, is every situation a little different, but every person is a little different. And everybody's history is different. And so we, we need, like, there's a place, like I said earlier, like where David says, we wait for God alone. There's, there, that's true. But I also don't want to downplay the importance. We, can, we are not meant to be alone in all these things. We need to bear one, each other's burdens. And um, uh, Bill, I can't remember if you read it between, like in, during the break or if you read it just on, on the air here, the person who said that, um, who wrote in and just t- talked about their, the community. Sometimes, sometimes the community, their community of faith has fallen apart. Or, mm-hmm. um, can you reread that? Or read that? Yeah, I'll need to find it here real quick or while I look for it. Anyway, <clears throat> they said they were talking about um, sometimes, sometimes the, our communities of faith, for, for one reason or another, maybe they're just not supportive. And you don't, you can't, they're not safe places to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the communities we've been a part of mm-hmm. fall off the radar yeah. for unknown reasons. Yeah. So maybe in the end it will have been for reasons of health or better community. But yeah, sometimes the communities we've been a part of, they fall off the radar. Yeah. And, um, and in a conversation with a good friend of mine today <clears throat> who's walking with another person in their own season of desperation. What I said to him was, um, you, your friendship is such a mercy. Because I'm speaking from my own experience, the people who have walked closely with me, like Pam and, and we have some other dear friends, they, if, we, if we are a safe place for other people to express like what people have been expressing to us through texts, um, that is a huge gift to be a safe place mm-hmm. for people to be desperate. You don't have to have your act together. You don't have to have your faith all wrapped up in a nice bow. You, you, can, you can tell them what you feel and what you're experiencing, and you know that they will not throw you under the bus or they will listen. John, would you pray for all the people who have written in and all the people who couldn't write in because... They couldn't do it, but they're feeling desperate as well. Yeah. So we'll Lord, end up our time this way. So, Lord, I'm so glad that you know every single situation. And that 
somehow through a simple request, you, you can disperse all kinds of grace to help in every kind of need. And there are so many different needs out there, so many broken hearts, so many burdens. We ask that you'd meet these precious ones where they're at and carry their burdens. You are the God who will carry their burdens. You are the God of our salvation, the one who can forgive all our sins through Jesus and the one who will wipe away every tear and will lift every burden finally. Come and do that. Come and do that today. You know where we are desperate and need help. Come and lift those burdens for us and provide us safe places. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, John and Pam Bloom have been my guests today. If you missed any of this, I'm pretty sure you'll want to go back and hear it from the start. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. You can head over to the Afternoons with Bill Arnold show page and start it from the beginning. Have a great night, everyone, and I will uh, see you tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.